The purpose of this podcast is to have enlightening conversations with humans who are making impact. I love hearing not only about the business success that accompanies the impact, but also the personal reflections and lessons learned along the way. And even more telling, the soul-inspired drive that fuels the choice to make impact to begin with. Hi, I'm Trisha Miltimore, speaker, trainer, and ambassador for social enterprise, and this is Passion for Impact. Greg Bickert, founder and CEO of Inspire Property Management, is one of those humans who lives and leads as a value-centered impact leader. He began work in strata management in 2005, started out as an unlicensed assistant, worked his way up to managing broker, the highest non-owner position in the company. He changed companies due to a toxic workplace, moved to another company which appeared to be on the same path as the last, So he started Inspire Property Management. The lessons learned from working in several companies, mostly what not to do, helped him to create the work environment that was recently selected as a finalist for the Kelowna Chamber's Inclusive Workplace Award. In this open conversation, Greg shares from his heart about how past trauma fuels his leadership. So many tips for how to care in real time. You ready? Let's do it. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Trisha Miltimore. Thank you for joining in. This is Passion for Impact, where we have one clear goal to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership, a customized module-based leadership training program for social enterprise companies and leaders. We train impact leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash rock your leadership for more details. Greg Bickert, founder and CEO of Inspire Strata Management, is humble. I asked for a short bio, and this is what he gave me. You're going to love this. Okay, ready? Early work life, certified babysitter, volunteer, cotton candy spinner, and snow cone alchemist. That's amazing. Mid-work life, office supply and printer salesman, respite caregiver, professional beer stacker, volunteer, all at the same time. And then a career change to strata manager, volunteer, business owner, volunteer, and volunteer. But there is so much more to the story. And I invited Greg on the podcast because he exemplifies care in leadership which is close to my heart. You've heard me talk about that a lot. And he's also an ambassador for women in the workplace in so many wonderful ways. So let's dive into his story and so can the lessons learned along the way. Greg, thank you for being on Passion for Impact. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation, as I always am, because I've been, um, you know, following you on LinkedIn. And of course, we, from many, many, many years ago, it feels like a lifetime ago, we were connected through some properties and strata management, whatnot. But now here you are with this company that I ha- just love the name, Inspire. It's Inspire Property Management. That's right, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Prior, but inspire. And one of your goals from your website is that you want inspire to have the best client and staff retention in the industry. And what I love about everything that you do is it's so intentional. So let's give everyone some context about, you know, not only your volunteer and your beer stacking, which is amazing. (laughs) 
<laughs> those skills. <laughs> I'm sure they come in handy. Um, but yeah, like how did you get to this place uh, owning your own company? And where does your passion for impact come from? I know those are kind of big general questions, but let's kind of start with your story generally, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, some of my early career helped to bring me to an into strata management. Um, I used to babysit for the owner of the company that I ended up working for many years later. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, uh, he, he, um, adopted two children from Haiti and, um, I babysat them and, and their, their daughter. And, uh, later on, after I, you know, got into the the real working world, uh, working at Office Depot and stacking beer at the liquor store and <laughs> doing all the things you need to do to to make money, he eventually approached me while on a shift at uh, Office Depot and and asked me if I might join his company. Funnily enough, he just kind of said, "Well, what are you what are you making here anyway?" And I told him it was something I don't know, you know, give or take a couple of bucks uh, from. Uh, from minimum wage kind of thing. And he's like, Oh, that's just silly. I can pay you at least, you know, two or $3 more than that. So <laughs> it was kind of a, at first, uh, uh, a money decision here. Cause it was just, I can stop working three jobs and maybe, maybe boil it down to just one or two here. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just those connections you make. That's, it's interesting how they eventually turn into something later on. Mm-hmm. One kind of, you leapfrog from one thing to another, so you ended up working at that company and you were there quite a while. Isn't that right? Yeah. I, I started in 2005, uh, which was just before licensing was coming into effect. It's actually why the owner had asked me to come join. Uh, he knew that there was going to be a, a lot of need for for new people coming in. And there was very limited time really to get uh, the people that have been working in, in strata management licensed uh, before the the new requirements to take the course came in. So he brought me in as an assistant, uh, just generally to help around in the in the company. And uh, I worked there until uh, 2014. And, you know, I, I learned a lot there, actually. Uh, a lot of what I've brought into my own company now, I've, I've learned from there, good and bad. But, you know, mostly, really, I started at the bottom and worked my way to the top. So one of the, I'd say the overall benefits here to me was that I learned sort of almost every job. So, you know, starting my own business became a lot easier for me knowing, you know, whether it's uh, the person that's filing or the accounting person or the reception. You know, I worked pretty much every job through my career at that, at that uh, one job. And so you did all that. You got to the highest level, isn't that right? But besides being the actual, the person in charge, is that right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know the industry that well, but you got to that high level before you decided to open up your own business. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, through my career there, I did, um, you know, uh, go get the licensing education. So, I, you know, I got my strata management license since I was the main area of, of business for that company and got my rental and then got my managing broker's license. Uh, so the managing broker's license is under our license. We're in charge of everything that happens within the brokerage. But under a business structure, you're not necessarily in charge of making, you know, financial decisions, hiring, firing decisions, even though you're you're saddled with it as the licensed person in charge. And that's ultimately why I had to leave. It, it was a very awkward uh, position to be in at that time. Um, the, the owner 
Um, I'll just say he, he was a, a lovely guy to work with, uh, but he, uh, you know, the company outgrew his capacity. And so it just became very difficult to work there. And, you know, it was a lot of risk for me uh, being responsible for all the activities and yet not being able to say, let someone go. That's clearly creating a problem or hire somebody when we're clearly short staffed. Uh, it just put me at risk. So I really had to leave mostly because of, of that. And was being an entrepreneur always uh, something in your path you thought you wanted to do? You know, it's funny back to how, how life just sort of works out on its own sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, it was and it wasn't, you know, I, I dreamed about it, I guess. Uh, you know, I talked about it a lot. I, I should just start my own. I could do this, you know, and I think a lot of people do that. But, you know, you get your your back against a wall sometimes and, and you just have to make a decision. And and sometimes that's what you need. So in this case, I probably wouldn't have started my own. I probably would have just kept working there, kept, slog, kept slogging away at it. But, um, you know, it was it was just such a, a, I guess, precarious position that I had to make a leap. And I will say I, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't jump right into a start my own company either. Uh, I was still too, let's say, too scared of, of you know, I guess my own ability or I, I don't know. You know, I just thought, let's try another company first. Fortunately for me, I, I guess that other company didn't work out either. The owner of that other company, well, let's just say didn't didn't exactly run things ethically. And and so we had differences of opinion. And so it was pretty short lived. And at that point, it was like, this is just silly. I need to I just need to start my own company. This can be done so much better than than the way some of these these guys are running their companies. So that moment when you thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to start my own company. Where were you contextually in your life? Did you have children? Were you um you know, at what point, just so people have some kind of context. Because I, I know there's people right now listening to your story and they can see themselves in your story and they're at this place of choice. And it's always the hardest place, the most exciting place too, where they have to like either take a divergent path, right? Or not. So where were you in your life at that time? Totally. Actually, it was um, it was a scary time for me. Um, very financially scary, I guess. My Wife and I had, uh, well, my wife had just uh, announced her pregnancy uh, with our, uh, we only have one child, so it was with our first child there then. So just a few months earlier, I had uh, announced that to the the staff, so they all knew at, at the company I was with. The boss, actually, he had let me go. It wasn't my choice, although we both knew it was over when we had that meeting. He was just the one that really said the words. You know, so it was it was a time where I'm about to prepare for this big life change at home. And yeah, I mean, the the first thought is like, okay, am I starting a company? Am I working for another company? And just having to be stuck now because I'm about to have a kid. And, you know, you don't really want to be starting a company with with a, you know, a, a brand new child. But, you know, ultimately it's just a lot of quick thought, uh, you know, but, you know, took a week and it was like, no, I have to do this. This is what I've wanted to do for years. I've been talking about it for years. I just need to do it. So glad I did. <laughs> it was, it was hard, but very, very glad I did it. So you're in that moment where you decide this is what you're going to do. Did you come up with the word inspire as your company name right away? Or did that happen a little bit later? No, um, it was, I was just workshopping and I was just trying to find the, 
the name that would inspire, funnily enough. Um, and, you know, I, I was looking at things, uh, mostly adjectives that were used to describe me and how I, I work. You know, so some of the early names were things like engage strata management because I kept being told that um, I'm probably the most engaged strata manager uh, they've ever met, you know, or I don't know, integrity was another one that I threw out there. I, I get described as being as having high integrity, um, ethical strata management. They just nothing struck a chord. You know, they, they describe sort of how I am, but they didn't really speak to me in, until finally just came to me, you know, um, one of those things, don't know how it happens. Just went inspire strata manager or inspire property. Ma- oh, you, you said that in the intro and now I'm saying it. I know. Inspire I'm sorry. I realized. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> no, it's great. No, I, I, I chose actually that, that was the first version. It was going to be inspire strata management. So it's, um, it's perfect. Um, <laughs> I went with property management because, uh, I knew we'd probably have to offer rental property management as well. So it, it should be more general. But yeah, inspire was the word that really stuck out in the end that uh, it just really spoke to me. Now, this is where the story I find gets really interesting from the passion for impact perspective is that you didn't just start a company, you know, like I'm going to start a company. I got a kid on the way. I need to make some money. I need to, this is something I've always wanted to do. You went farther than that. You created a company that makes impact. And so what I want to know is how did you make that choice? Where did that fuel come from? And uh, how does it look today in terms of how, I mean, certainly your company has grown. You've, you know, you're nominated for an award just recently that I got to be there to see all of, the, all of that. I mean, it's just amazing. But before we get into all that, like what fueled you to have a company with impact and how do you see that impact for your company? So, well, like most people, it's partially a reaction to, you know, the things that you've seen uh, done poorly at other companies you've worked for, you know, so a lot of it was just, you know, I can do differently. I've seen sexual harassment happening at, at businesses I've worked for, you know, before even strata management and and just to be in that position uh, as a third party, seeing it and not knowing what to do. You know, it, it, it sticks with you, you know, you, you feel bad for the people um, and you just don't know what to do. You know, who do you complain to when it's the boss that's that's, um, you know, I think in their mind being innocent about it, they're just uh, pursuing somebody, um, but they're in a position of power and maybe they don't notice that it's unwanted. Uh, you know, it's it's a very difficult thing. So I knew it was going to be very important to me to to have very, I guess, strong policies about that or, or just to be very aware of what's going on in the company if if people are in a management position and and they're using that power to influence others whether it is you know true sexual harassment or just you know being rude or berating people mm-hmm. at another business there was one person because he's the high, one of the highest paid people in the company he wasn't the owner or anything but um you know he he brought in a lot of the the company's income you know, he would yell at staff uh, to the point where one person, uh, you know, quit on the spot, you know, went home crying, quit on the spot. And, you know, the the boss of the company didn't let this guy go. And I'm just, it just, I was seething at that point, you know, like, how can you not let somebody go that is going to harass somebody to the point where they're they're crying at work and they have to quit their job? And I will say this person was also good at their job that quit. 
So there's really no reason for this. They just made a mistake. And this person, because they have that power, felt that they could. And and obviously, they could act that way without impunity here. It is brutal. Hmm. Uh, I just never want to see that sort of thing happening. It's, it's not good for the company anyway. You know, in the long run, all that does is just creates a, a toxic workplace. You know, and actually, well, it's not really funny, but... Um, Interestingly, uh, that same boss had admitted later on when we were finally letting somebody go for um, some other improper conduct, he admitted to me that uh, he never actually fired anyone before, uh, you know, and I didn't have the, um, the vocabulary to describe it at the time, but I, I now know it's, it's called mobbing. Uh, so what he had practiced all along was just when he didn't like somebody, he wanted them to quit. He would just, you know, uh, pass rumors around or he would, you know, just act very, you know, opposed to them. He would be very, uh, rude to them and, and just otherwise try and encourage them to quit on their own because they don't like to work there anymore. And then he wouldn't have to, to fire them. Hmm. Just terrible. And with your company, you want to do things much different. Uh, I asked, you know, in the pre-form here, what is your passion for impact? And you said you can be um, kind, inclusive, and ethical while running a successful business. It's just business is no way to justify poor behavior. So it seems like that motivates a lot of what you do. It really does. Um, I think, I mean, ethics is an easy one. To me, ethics has a lot to do with just being truthful, you know, you can be truthful without hurting yourself. There is such a thing as, as being too honest, you know, sharing too much, but there's no reason that you should lie. There's no reason you should steal, you know, cheat, whatever, you know, like it just, it's just business. That's just nonsense. You know, to me, a business is an extension of the leadership. Uh, you know, so it, it is a part of me, you know, if, if I treat it like a limb or something like that, I, I would never... Uh, you know, poison it like that. Uh, a business is sort of the same thing. It, it is like a person. It's out there in the world. It's dealing with the community. You have to, um, you know, have your business operate the way you would want yourself to be operating in, in your community here. Mm-hmm. It's so refreshing to, to hear from a business owner that speaks that way, because not everyone does. I mean, I'm, in my world, I'm surrounded by uh, amazing leaders and CEOs and whatnot, but I also have clients where I know that's not the case everywhere. And you have how many, how many uh, uh, employees do you have right now? So we've got nine now. Wow! And one of the things that you like to do from our previous conversations is support women in the workplace. So how do you do that through your company? How does that show up? Yes, mostly just come about and coming about it honestly. Here, the staff I've hired have just been the best hires, you know, uh, it wasn't really intentionally that I was, you know, writing a policy that I need to be inclusive to women. I already knew in general, I just didn't want to be a, uh, discriminatory business. You know, again, that's back to ethics. You can, you can be very inclusive just by acting ethically. So you hire the right people. But, uh, you know, I think, as, as I reflect back on it, uh, I think a lot of the reasons I've, I've ended up trying to support and I guess change our policies to, you know, for uh, accommodating work from home has, has made 
um, you know, single moms or just mothers in general, parents in general, really, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to to have that home life and that work life. They can, you know, uh, do a little bit of work, put the kids to bed, uh, do some more work, or, um, you know, they can go to soccer practice and all those sorts of things. Um, you know, over time, our policies have just sort of allowed for that. And yeah, as, as I reflect back on it, I, I think part of the reason I sort of have pushed really f- far into supporting women that way is is because of my childhood. I am a survivor of uh, child abuse, uh, physical child abuse. I'm fortunate to to be someone who didn't suffer as bad as many others, but you know, um, it it did stick with me as, as it does with everybody. Mm. You know, and, and I just, I feel like when I, when I have a mom that wants to be home with their kids, um, you know, but they still want to have a job, I just, I just want to make that happen, you know, and it's easy if I can let them work from home instead of making them sit at a desk, like why, why wouldn't I do it? Of of course you can work from home if, if that's what's going to work and you can support your child and they can feel safe at home. They can be loved at home. I want I want to be somebody that makes that happen. That is very powerful. And uh, I, I can feel it coming right from your heart. Since you have had your own child, has that also f- um, fueled your, um, I guess, motivation and your own heart into all of the elements of working with your team? Uh, I mean, it's helped my home life for sure. Um, you know, let's just backtrack a little bit here to the beginning of the pandemic you know, at that time, our sort of management staff, the property managers, they generally would work from home most of the time. Uh, you know, we had a phone system and, you know, email and general things that made it possible to work from home for their type of job. But it was difficult for, you know, accounts payable uh, specifically or the bookkeeping team to to work from home because we're a very paper centric business. Um, you know, the whole industry is very paper centric. Um, so the pandemic really forced me to, to, you know, accelerate how we were moving towards electronic communications and, you know, um, tracking bills, you know, whatever we do to try and make sure everything's done electronically, uh, you know, just so people could continue to, to work, you know, we needed to get the work done. So, you know, that was a big change. And uh, even for myself, I was in the office all the time. And now we've kind of got these systems in place. I, you know, I'm usually in the office two days a week. The rest of the time I'm, I'm working from home. And it's, um, it's well, it's mostly just really great. You know, if, if my daughter can come home from school, she'll come in and she gives me a great big hug and starts to tell me about her day. That's just amazing. I, I I feel like I missed out so much of that time when I was working in the office and and I couldn't uh, just be at home and and just be part of you know part of the home life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not always perfect though either. Uh, you know, it's that same very thing. You know, when when I'm busy, you know, it's like yeah, I I love the hug and everything, but I do need to get to work, and you know, I have to let her down because she wants to you know, play a, play a board game or something. Oh man, that, that just hurts the heart. Doesn't it? <laughs> Saying no to uh, your kid. <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah. But being there for those other moments is such a beautiful thing. And I love that you're able to support others to do that as well. 
And so when you look back on starting your company and all the growth that it's gone through um, a certain amount of time, what, what, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back to the beginning from your perspective now? Like a couple of pieces of advice. Yeah, a couple of pieces of advice. Yeah, well, um, probably part of it is it's maybe cliche, but, you know, um, go for your dreams. You know, you, you don't be afraid to, to step out on a limb and, and take a chance. I will say that's um, also counteracted with I wouldn't be the person today uh, that I am if I didn't experience a lot of the things that, you know, uh, many times made me want to quit. So there is some benefit from that. So I guess the other piece of advice is just, you know, when you're in those hard times, try and think about the lesson that you're learning here and think about the long term, you know, whether it's. I could do this better or if it's just, um, you know, this is temporary and you're going to find a new job, whatever, uh, you know, there, there's always some sort of lesson to learn there. Right. Life, um, life has a good way of doing that, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Um, but, you know, again, it's sort of my mantra here. It's almost like you can just be ethical in everything you do here. There, there's no reason, um, you know, again, you, you need to. Well, OK, I'll just give you a for instance on, on how management companies work here a little bit. So the, the standard practice in our industry is uh, with regards to portfolios, managers are uh, if they quit, uh, they have a non-compete clause. They're not allowed to go after any of their past clients, any of the clients that the, the company managed, even if they didn't manage them directly and, and so on. It's very, very protective you know, because I think part of it is because a lot of the companies have just sort of attacked each other and, you know, just stolen business from each other. But I've come about it totally differently. I, I just realized that, you know, if a client leaves or sorry, if a, a manager leaves, we probably can't service that client very well anymore, if at all, uh, because now we're short staffed. So why are we being so protective of keeping that portfolio uh, you know, if if that client would be better served to just move along with that person, then they probably should. And frankly, if a client is only staying because they're forced to stay, that's not beneficial for either of us. You know, they're they're not happy because they don't want to be here, but they have to be. And I'm not happy because I'm overworked and having to to find somebody to replace this other person. So personally, I've just you know let, let's just get rid of that. You know, if the manager wants to be able to bring with them their their own clients to their new company then so be it you know they they have that ability and i don't need to be so protective of everything i do to to keep every client here and as i say to the clients all the time i, I don't need to because you're going to want to stay because of the services we're providing and how we treat our staff and same with our staff our, our staff are going to stay because they want to be here not because they have to be Mm. That, that goes right back to your overall goal that Inspire will have the best client and staff retention in the industry. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk more about the staff retention side of things. Uh, I know there's people listening who have companies of their own and they're, you know, one of the hardest parts of being in business is the people side of things. So what ha systems or ideologies or I don't know, what have you put in place that helps you to retain your staff in a way that they're, um, not only doing the job great, but they're totally fulfilled at the, in the work environment as well. I mean, really, there's two words for it. It's it's um, 
patience is is a big one. Um, so when it's uh, training people or, you know, when people have to be accommodated or, or whatever it is, just constant patience. You know, there, there's no reason to, um, I guess, expect people to learn new concepts right away and, and so on. I'm told all the time that I'm, <laughs> I'm a very patient person. Um, you know, I have a rule um, that I tell people when I first hire them. Uh, that I'm probably going to tell you the same thing three times before it sticks. Uh, so don't worry about it. Like, just keep asking me. You're going to, I'm just going to repeat myself like, you know, three times, maybe more, but probably on average when you're learning so much all at, all at the, at the start here, um, I expect you're not going to just learn everything just magically. So don't be afraid to, to ask questions. And yeah, I think the, the other is, um, is really accommodation. You know, it's, uh, again, if, if people want to work from home and there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to work from home, then they should. Um, another little side story related to that, why, why I think that's important. At one company, there was a, a lady that had, uh, she was exceptional. I, I tell you, she's one of the best people I've worked with. Um, she worked in this position and I've seen it take two people to do the amount of work that she was doing in a day. Just incredible. And the boss, uh, well, she approached the boss one day because her daughter had cancer and she wanted to uh, be able to take her daughter to the, the to her treatments in the morning. And she wanted to start work at, I think, 930 instead of 830 in the morning each day. The boss said no, you know, wow. Uh just incredible to me, you know, just the, the smallest of accommodation he could have made. Um, and of course she quit. She, she should have like, that's just clearly not going to work out if, if your boss can't even accommodate an hour shift in, in your, your work. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason to say no, uh, to some of these things that you might be afraid to say no. Um, well, you might be afraid to allow it, let's say, uh, because you lose some of that direct supervision as a boss, but if you've got trust in your employees and you can uh, see that the work is being done, then you should accommodate and allow this. And now your people will be so much happier to work for you uh, because they can live that that happy uh, life with the, the right work-life balance that, that works for them and still get the work done. It's mutually beneficial. Mm-hmm. What other accommodations have you um, been asked or taken part of that you think other people in your position should know about that just makes it's maybe it's the smallest accommodation that seems to have a really big impact? Anything that comes to mind? You know, um, it's, it's uh, I guess, hard to say just because we have a small company. So uh, I'll just speak very, very broadly here mm-hmm. on this one subject. But, um, you know, with mental health. You know, it's it's a tricky thing. I'm glad that my staff, uh, you know, as far as I know, they all feel comfortable talking to me. Uh, you know, so I've I've been approached um, more than once about somebody suffering from mental health issues, and um, you know, I think it's good that they do that. Uh, they uh, often are coming to me because they can see their work is falling behind, or they can see clients are complaining. Um, you know, so they already know that, um, I'm probably going to know something's up. Uh, but you know, if, if I know that there's something going on, then at least I can support them and I can, I can 
do something about it. Uh, you know, whether it's decreasing their work or, or just, you know, uh, helping them out with their issue or letting them talk to me about what's, um, causing that, um, that pain or that, that struggle. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I think that one's also hard to get though. Uh, if, if you haven't created a, an environment where people feel comfortable talking to you. Uh, so I guess this really comes down to trying to work really hard at making yourself available and, uh, not being judgmental, uh, when people do say things to you that maybe you don't agree with, uh, you know, try and listen and try not to judge them. Mm-hmm. Creating that culture of care and trust is a gift for those who get to experience it and be part of it. I'm sure all your staff feel that way. And I think it's amazing that you're intentional and focused on that. It probably is an extension of just who you are, right? And I'm I'm assuming as you go through and you um, continue to level up all your leadership skills that you're seeing how you can um, adjust and tweak and whatnot, but it's, I'm assuming it's, it's coming out from just who you are in your heart. If you were to offer some advice to someone else who has a team in how to develop trust over time. Does anything stand out for you that you think is um, a good tool or tools to achieve that? You know, it's uh, again, back to just being um, non-judgmental. Mm. You know, I, I think one of my favorite authors is Adam Grant. Uh, he, he speaks a lot about, um, I think he's a, a organizational psychologist. Uh, it's technically his term. Um, and I, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but uh, he pointed out in one of his books that uh, people with high IQ, that they're most susceptible to making quick judgments. Uh, they're, they're more likely to, to actually have, um, well, I guess, you know, some of these, these bad habits really. But, uh, so basically, um, what he was pointing out was that, uh, because they're so smart, they often make connections and, uh, they make them very fast. And because they're so used to doing that, they will often be very judgmental. And so there's a bit of training people out of that. I'm going to say, I'm one of those people that, that, you know, back in the day, you know, I was, I was very easy to, to quick judge, you know, so it is a learned thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, I, th- I think for anyone, I, I think most leaders, they're, they're pretty smart people. It's just going back and um, actually uh, Adam Grant, speaking of him, he, he's got a great book, uh, Think Again. You know, there's there's a lot of wisdom in there about just, you know, listening. Actually, I did pull up a quote from him here. Um, it says, arrogance leaves us blind to our weakness. Humility is a reflective lens. It helps us see them clearly. Confident humility is a corrective lens. It enables us to overcome those weaknesses. Um, what he's talking about there is is just that you know you can realize that you might be wrong. You know, so listen to people with um, an awareness that you might have formed uh, an opinion incorrectly before, but you can still be you know confident when you do have the answer and, and help people through things. Uh, so it's it's a tricky balance, but if if you do that then people will, you know, they will approach you. They'll, they'll be comfortable listening to you or talking to you uh, because you know, they know you're going to listen. Mm-hmm. And, and genuinely care. I think that's so important. And I've encountered actually a few people that maybe don't care uh, as much as they seem. 
it can be learned as well, like many things. You know, you, you have to. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, again, that's that's a me thing here. Um, I because of I, I guess I, again just sort of a bit of my childhood trauma there. Mm-hmm. For a very long time in my life, I was very detached, um, very, you know, outwardly happy, uh, very outwardly, I guess, uh, accessible, but really inside, that's not how I felt at all. Um, you know, I was very shut off and just going through the motions, you know, and it was for me, at least one of those things that, you know, just keep practicing until it became something real. It's not that I was pretending to care, but it certainly felt like I was pretending to care sometimes about things that I should care about, you know, so it's not always going to be, do you actually care? It is going to be, at least do you care enough to make people feel that you care and, you know, the, the true caring, um, you know, it will come. Mm, I think that's a really important point. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. You um, appreciate your people which is also an extension of care. How do you show your appreciation? Is there any, you know, kind of things you do? To me, appreciation is something that's done every day. It's a little bit different than recognition, which is a bit more of a system or, you know, you know, stuff that's put into place in an organization. But uh, caring is done every day. Appreciation is done every day. What do you do to show appreciation for your people? Have you seen Ted Lasso? I have not. You have not. Oh, this, this, uh, uh, anyone that's seen it, I won't go into the whole thing, but he, he basically, he's a, he's a coach. Um, and he constantly tells people, I appreciate you. Um, I love that. Um, I've, I've been doing that for a long time since before watching that show, but maybe not exactly those words. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say it in different ways, you know, just saying thank you. Um, but it, it's so great. This, this guy, he's so, nice. You know, somebody might say something that he disagrees with and you just end it with, you know, but I appreciate, I appreciate you, Mm. you know, Uh, it's great. Uh, It's important though. I I think that's what it is. It's um, thanking people. You you can't underestimate the value of, of constantly thanking people, even for the little things, you know, Uh, somebody's signing out for the day. Okay, great. You know, thanks for, for your hard work today. I I appreciate it. You got to do that constantly. Um, It's not a given that they know you appreciate that they were working for you or, or working with you for that matter. Um, you know, people need to, to hear it. Uh, if they don't hear it, they may not feel it, you know, and I'll share another little anecdote at one company I was working for. I, I'm, I'm a very nerdy tech guy. And, and so, uh, we were having a problem where we had grown, um, to the size where the server that we were all accessing uh, would no longer work to connect. Uh, it had a maximum of 10 simultaneous connections. So we need to upgrade the server. I knew enough to, uh, to upgrade it to a Linux server. And so I ended up um, sort of scheduling it uh, that I, I'd start right after everybody finished work at five o'clock. And then it was going to be up and running by the next day. Uh, it took like literally the whole night. I think I went to bed um, probably like six or seven in the morning. Um, Ooh, an all nighter. It was an all nighter. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't go as smooth as I thought it would. But <laughs> so I get that all done, um, and of course it's it's all testing, it's all working. So I finally go home, crash, go to bed, um, and uh, 
the the boss the next day, you know, it was sort of in the evening. He knew I was taking the day off. Um, so he, he just called me up a little later in the day. Hey, you know, are you at home? I'm like, yep, uh, I'm at home. He's like, okay, great. I'm going to see you in five minutes. Um, and he, you know, comes up to the door, knocks on the door and he just says, I just wanted to say thank you very much. Like that was, you know, um, that was a big deal. You didn't have to do that. You know, he wasn't paying me extra to do it. I just saw a need and wanted to get this done. Um, you know, he gave me a hundred dollars, um, to the keg and a, a little thank you note and, and just, you know, I just want to say thanks. Um, you know, I, I share that because yeah, obviously it stuck with me, but, um, you know, when people do step in and when people, um, you know, give themselves, even when they don't need to, I think you also need to, um, go out of your way to make sure they know specifically that you really appreciate that they didn't have to do it uh you know it, it will stick with those people later on they, they'll feel that you do care if you go out of your way to to let them know mm-hmm. and i love that you know they if you don't hear it you can't feel it that it is such a it's such an important statement right there it's a big one it's so important um you know uh, unfortunately uh, i had one boss that he used to think that um, it, well, what he said to me once is, is why should I thank them? I gave them a job. They should be thankful. <laughs> Just like, oh man, you don't get it at all. <laughs> no, he definitely doesn't. Right. What is next for Inspire Property Management? Yeah, well, we just keep growing. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a busy time for me. It constantly is. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're just going to keep doing what we're doing really, uh, you know, which is, um, growing into new markets, uh, taking on clients in other areas and, uh, I guess bringing about our way of doing things to even more people. You know, I've got, uh, actually just 10 minutes before we started this call, uh, I had, uh, a, a strat up in Terrace say that they've decided to, to hire us. So that'll be our first in, in Terrace. Uh, nice. You know, Congrats. Just, it happens. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you know, for me personally, I'd say it's not directly Inspire, but, uh, you know, I, I plan to to just keep advocating for change in our industry. I'd like to see, you know, more people coming into the industry, more supports happening for for the, the managers. Uh, it is a difficult industry for strata managers, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, they're rude, they're, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, racism, there's a lot of, uh, you know, gender bias and, and things that, that make it very difficult for people to to either enter or stay in the industry. Uh, it's not, not necessarily the companies themselves that this is coming from, it's, it's the clients. We do need to see a lot of education going out there to the general public yeah, you know, we need to treat people better, but also we need businesses to support those staff. When a client is clearly, you know, has a thing against women and, you know, they literally are saying things like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just a woman. Well, let's just let the client go. You know, mm-hmm. it's just money, you know, there's enough clients out there. Why are we sticking with, with these, you know, caustic people? Um, when there's plenty of people that can work with us well, and we can both be happy. Yeah. Wow. So you're a disruptor in the industry in many ways, would you say? <laughs> I, 
I would say so. Uh, are a lot of our our things, um, you know, our pay structure and, and things like that. Uh, I've I've seen other businesses now take it up. Uh, so it is interesting to see how how people are starting to model after our our, our system. Uh, it's good. Mm. I like it. Nice. That's that's very inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Well, steal away. I say. You know, you'll you'll never you'll never do exactly what we do, but go ahead and try. Right. It won't be exactly the same, a little bit different. What I also like is that you're on boards, right? So you're not just within the confines of your business and the the reach you have there, but you're on the boards, um, having a voice there as well, which I think is is inspirational that people can look at that as a model if they want to be more of a disruptor in their own industry. Has that been an avenue for you to have a, a expand your reach and have a bigger voice? It's helped me have a bigger voice. Uh, I don't think it directly impacts my business. Um, but it is definitely personally gratifying. Um, you know, I, I enjoy education. I enjoy, uh, well, just helping people and education is, is part of that. Uh, so, you know, uh, joining, um, the professional association of managing agents, PAMA, uh, on, on their board and on the education committees, I've been able to do, you know, a lot of good work bringing education, to other parts of the province. You know, we used to only really provide education in the lower mainland. We started a committee up in Kelowna and and started to bring education here locally. Eventually we went electronic. So now it's available province-wide. You know, it's an industry that's supposed to serve the whole of the province. But in the past, it was like the only way you could get access to education was to go down to Vancouver. Uh, It's just outrageous the way it used to be really. And now it's so accessible that even the people down in Vancouver are, we just had to cancel an in-person seminar because not enough people wanted to attend in person. They all, they all are just signing up online. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, you were recently um, selected as a finalist for the Kelowna Chamber's Inclusive Workplace Award, which is just so fitting. Uh, How did that feel? And it must've been a very sweet moment to get that recognition. It was very cool. I'd say at first I thought that was a, a great fit. Um, but then doing the interview, I realized, holy smokes, I actually have a lot more to do here. Um, you know, we, we are very inclusive. You know, it's um, inclusive to me is is partially just not being discriminatory. You know, that's the basics of it. Right. Um, so, you know, again, back to things like the work from home has made us very accessible to women um, and lots of little things just. Um, people that have different names that we're not really used to. Uh, we have a lady that has an accent in her her name, and um, Elise, she has an accent aigu. Uh, and, and when she started at our company, um, she just sort of casually mentioned that, you know, um, that, you know, previous, uh, when we set up her email, I, I don't need to bother with the accent. You know, all of her other employers didn't bother to do it because I guess it's too hard to do. And I'm just thinking, that's nonsense. That's your, that's your name. Like, of course your name is going to be spelt exactly the way it's supposed to. Um, so just, you know, lots of little anecdotes like that, where, where we're just trying to be actually properly inclusive. Um, but I, you know, like I say, during the interview process, uh, you know, we were still selected as one of the top three finalists, but the types of questions they were asking made me realize, you know, things like, um, you know, we don't really have an, an indigenous, I mean, I'm calling it like a reconciliation policy, you know, something to make sure that we're specifically going out there and and trying to find Indigenous workers. You know, they're not applying. 
so why, why aren't they applying? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, finding more, um, you know, I, I just actually made this connection. So I'm, I'm trying to connect with, um, uh, for, well, for hiring diverse ability people it could be a reception position or, or whatever, you know, that person that can come in that, uh, maybe they can't do a strata manager job. Maybe they can, but, um, you know, it, it's, I think you've got people that are, maybe not considered usually, or they're not going through the regular channels. So it's just going out there and trying to find ways to, to hire them. So we've got some changes coming that uh, I think maybe makes me feel a little more confident the next time around that uh, maybe we do deserve it even after the interview. <laughs> uh, but before the interview, it was like, yeah, this is good. After the interview, I'm like, mm, okay, you know, I think we've got some room to go. And I was, I was happy that uh, TKI construction one, you know, it, 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 it seemed more fitting after going through the process. Well, I think the recognition, even as a finalist, just shows that your intentionality, and isn't that what is so important, is there. And you're taking action from what you learn continuously. You're tweaking, you're open to new ideas, um, into more inclusive policies. So then you're, I think the recognition is so fitting for your intentionality, the impact you're making with your own team and within the industry as well, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we got the, the ethics and business, um, award the year before, oh. uh, that was a lot clearer, you know, in my mind anyway, it was like, oh, that is, that is us like, absolutely no yeah. problem. But still, you know, it's, uh, that was our first nomination to a Kelowna chamber award. I had no idea what, what to expect through the whole process. Um, and I was trying not to get too excited to the point where I just like during the, um, the announcement for the, the awards, the, the gala, uh, it was hosted online that year because of COVID. I, I went out for a drive to run some errands and just played it on my, on my, uh, car radio there. <laughs> and and then they announce uh, that we're the winners. Oh man, I had to pull over. I was just crying. It was like it was such Aww. a big moment. It was it's like oh, especially after that year. You know, it was a hard, hard fought year for all the adjustments we had to make with with COVID and um, you know losing losing some staff. Uh, you know, in the process and having to hire more. And then you know to get that recognition, it was it was a a big deal. Yeah, that really is. Congratulations. That's, yeah, thank you. It, it feels so good to be recognized after so much hard work, right? And and bringing your team along for that ride as well. Well, you know, this has been fantastic. I feel like um, I'm just really grateful that you're so open to sharing and and helping us to understand where you're coming from, the lessons that you've learned from all of your life experiences. And I just know that people listening will be able to extrapolate tidbits that's going to help them to be a better leader, to be a more inclusive workplace, to support those in their team. So um, so much gratitude. Before we kind of sign off, though, I do love to ask this question at the end, is what is the best wisdom that you have ever received? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So my dad used to tell me this all the time. Um, he says, when the first time you think you want to quit, that should be the last time you, sh you think that. So either, either quit or, or change something. Mm. Um, I think he's mostly right. Um, I'd say I'm much more patient than him. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll give it a second try or try and figure it out. I'd, I'd say, but still, I, I think it, it is generally wise wisdom. You know, you should be 
changing something at least. If you if you think it's time to quit, you know, talk to your boss about it. What's what's going on? What why are you feeling upset? And well, if the boss isn't going to be accommodating, then yeah, maybe it is time to move on. Um, but I think most bosses are caring people. They they do want to accommodate, uh, and they just have a hard time connecting. So just you know, air it out with them. And I think that's important. And, and maybe things might have worked out a little bit differently for me if I'd been a little more open with my boss. in, in some cases, maybe not, considering some of the the issues that they were having. Um, but it goes for me too, you know, um, when it's time to fire somebody, um, it, it's sort of the same thing. You know, if, if, if I've been thinking about it, I should, I should change something about it. I should talk to them to train or they need to go if it's clearly over. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Wonderful wisdom. Thank you again for sharing your time. And you know what? We need to let people know how to get a hold of you if they want to chat more or to look up your website as well. What is your uh, website for Inspire Property Management? Yeah, so it's just inspirepm.com or in most um, most towns where we operate, you can just check it out. Try, you know, colonapm.com or or terracepm.com. If, if we operate in your area, uh, you'll see a uh, your city name, pm.com, you know, we're working there. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. Thank you so much for your time. It's such a pleasure. And I really appreciate having you on Passion for Impact. It's been such a pleasure. And I look forward to listening to all your future podcasts. They've they've been pretty good so far. I've, I've got about 10 or 12 under my belt now, and I like them. They're, they're quite good. Oh my gosh a fan. That's so exciting. Thanks, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Trisha. Passion for Impact is sponsored by the Inspire Store. Need a gift that inspires? Inspire Store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words. Yes, you can. Every purchase supports Food Banks Canada. Plus, you will receive Trisha Miltimore's popular personal development Shift Up e-course. Empowerment awaits you. Shop with impact at inspirestore.org. Hey, if you love learning how to live and lead in a caring and fulfilling way, and you find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership, a customized module-based leadership training program for social enterprise companies and leaders. We train impact leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash rock your leadership for more details. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.